This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode when I'm talking all about diva clients. They really can, can't they, put you off the whole business thing if you get one. I call them divas because a friend of mine calls them divas and their behaviour is so Hollywood, to be quite honest, that it just suits their personality. And I suddenly realised that we need to talk about it because I had a super conversation with a very young property sorcerer at a meet a few weeks ago who made me feel a bit like an old jaded cynic, to be quite honest. Because when I started to talk to him about how he worked with people who were less than helpful, he looked at me in complete amazement and disbelief. And he quite clearly thought that I didn't know how to deal with people or I just was looking for people to work with in the wrong place. Because as I probed and questioned him about things, it was quite clear that he thought everybody he was coming across was delightful and respectful and that any problems that could possibly occur, and of course he hadn't had any up to now, would be prevented from being a difficulty to him because of a clause in his contract, which, when I asked further questions, had not been looked at by a solicitor. It was something he'd drawn up. And he had a wonderful faith in the fact that if someone had put their name to a piece of paper, that he'd be able to make them uphold these rules and regulations just by pointing it out. Well, I think he'll either have a nasty shock at some point Or he perhaps may be one of those few people who never encounter someone, someone who's greedy or fails to understand that everyone deserves to be paid for by the work, for the work they do, no matter how easy it looks. Because I think divas can really stop you in your tracks. And if you're not really robust with your systems and your, your way of dealing with people, it can really turn your life upside down. In fact, I think they can make you feel as if your property business has been set up purely to make these people feel richer. Not to mention, of course, the physical and mental strain they can create. And trust me, mental strain can cause physical problems. We all know that. So we don't want to go there which is why I think we all need to be able to spot them and lose them as quickly as possible because life is too short. We need to give ourselves clients that we adore working with and who in turn thinks we're wonderful to work with as well. You know, the old win-win. Well, what is a diva? Well, I think we've all seen them in the non-property world, haven't we? Uber confident. They know, they know that they are very important people and that their needs need to be met now or the world will totally collapse. Actually, I don't think some of them even realise that they are divas because until now, the world has just crumbled before them and given in. So they think that those people who stand their grounds are just difficult to deal with or, frankly, a business idiot. Not a nice thought at all, is it? But I don't think it's possible to work in property and not to come across a diva at some point because property is an absolute magnet for them. It's 
a combination of high rewards with, frankly, chaotic and unpredictable marketplaces. You know, things happen all the time, don't they? You know, even when interest rates were very low, the marketplace kept changing around us. So there's nothing stable. So therefore, the diva will see an opportunity. And I think we're particularly vulnerable because we need outside investment, be it private finance, joint ventures or deal buyers. So we have to interact with these people. And if we're good at property, whatever it is that we're doing in property, big or small, if we're good at it, we probably make it look really easy and that, frankly, any old person can do it. And It couldn't be further from the truth, could it? But trust me, you know, divas will occur no matter what you do. And it's a lot easier, actually, if you know about them in advance. And even if you do, when you get one, it will be a shock the first time. And you've also got to understand there's nothing personal about this. It's not something you've done. It's actually the other problem of the person who is being a diva because they're going to work their way, whatever happens. I was several years actually into deal sourcing and having a really successful time. Well, actually, I thought I got all this sort of stuff sorted out. I was really being quite smug about it when up popped my first diva right the night before an exchange when I would get paid, of course. And this caused me a major problem because the phone went and my deal buyer breezed onto the call and came straight out with the fact that after all the normal pleasantries that he loved working with me. Good. Clearly, as I was finding amazing deals. Good. And we were just starting what we hoped was going to be a long and happy relationship because he was on plan to buy 10 of these below market value properties with me with the minimum amount of work needed. And at that point in the marketplace, there were lots of these. And, you know, he was up definitely having a very good deal found for him. Anyway, I was pleased with what I'd found as far as I knew he was. But he came out with the fact that he'd spoken to his wife and they'd actually decided that I'd be making a quite large sourcing fee for 10 properties, which might turn out to be greater than the price of one of the properties he was buying. Well, of course it would, because this is Stoke-on-Trent. And, you know, he was buying it sort of anywhere between 38 and £45,000 for a house, you know. So he said, he continued happily, in order for the exchange to happen tomorrow, he was only going to pay me. And here he named a sum that was substantially less than the agreed sourcing fee, because, of course, he was going to pay me another nine times. Well, to say I was shocked is an understatement. I had not seen this coming. No, nothing at all in any conversation up to this point had in any way indicated that the fee was going to be a problem. You know, in fact, we'd had a really good laugh about the fact that BMV was going to be so good that after he'd paid for me for these houses, it would still leave lots of spare equity in the end of year one. I mean, what was the problem? But I held my ground because I was jolly, jolly annoyed, frankly. It became clear that he was equally firm in his belief that this was just business. That was a phrase he kept using. It stuck in my mind. That he was quite in the right to do this. He called it negotiation. I mentally called it theft. He thought it was OK to change the payment because, after all, he said, you can drop the price of the house the night before, right, well, right up to the point at which exchange goes through. So why couldn't he do that with my sourcing fee? Well, feeling extremely hot and clammy, I told him that my terms and conditions were just that. And my sourcing fee was my sourcing fee. Uh, the exchange could not go through until my solicitor had my fee in her client account. Well, I had to go to bed that night in a state of churn and anxiety. I can still remember it well. 
And as soon as business was open the next day, I was on to my solicitor and I explained it all. You know, it all came out in a sort of rush on the phone. She was extremely calm and clear. She viewed our contract as enforceable and that she expected the full forcing fee to be in her account or she would not go to exchange. Well, I put the phone down and worried still. And a few, a little while later, she got back to me and said that, funnily enough, the full amount of sourcing fee had been received by her. And would it be all right to go to exchange as previously agreed? Well, of course it did. It went through. And oddly, do you know, that diva never mentioned that call to me ever again. He then paid in full the refurbishment costs and a tenant duly moved in. Well, he very shortly after that rang to get the next one. Now, I had assumed wrongly that I would never hear from him again. So I'd done nothing. But he rang, you know, and I had another excruciatingly difficult conversation with him where I explained that I wished him well in his property sourcing and everything else and building a portfolio. But I would not be working with him again. I felt that the trust had broken down and that that was really important to me. Well, The abuse and fury that came down the line was incredible. He shouted that he was going to ruin my business, my reputation. He knew lots of people buying in Stoke and everybody would be told. And he knew lots of people in the army, so he'd be able to tell people that way. He really went to town. He was most, most unpleasant. He was going to tell my builder, my letting agent. In short, he thought he was going to punish me for not rolling over and adhering to his terms. Well, once I'd got over myself, because I honestly, for the rest of the day, I was a nervous wreck, I tackled my terms and conditions and made sure that I had included in bold the clause that said every property was paid for individually, even if the investor had expressed a wish to buy more than one, because frankly, most people do. So each round of purchasing would then have T's and C's signed for. And I, once I'd you know, drawn them all up, I got a solicitor to look at them and she was quite happy. And she then pointed out to me something I hadn't thought of. She said, you know, I was to let it be known gently to my builder what had happened because he wouldn't be happy about this either because if this client was treating me that way, what were the sort of chances that he would treat other people in the building trade that way? Because clearly he didn't view any of us as very important. So I did that. That was my, my one little moment of feeling happy, really. Incidentally... That wasn't the end of this client. Oh, no, no. He tried several times to get me back on board. He sent me emails from different email addresses and he even used a different name. But that's another story. Now, he's not the only type of diva that you'll get. There are what I call the time divas. And gosh, do they live really busy lives. And we should be so happy that they found us and want to work with us. Their expectations are that they will, you know, we'll work with them on their timeframes. You know, be it 10 o'clock at night, mid-morning on a Sunday, of course we'll take their call because we need that money, don't we? Well, it's not actually our problem if they have a demanding job or a demanding life and they can't take work, you know, calls at funny times or at work. Everybody does have breaks. And if that's their problem... We've got to make sure that these divas understand that we can accommodate this. You know, we can build this into our system. We just need to have an email or a text, dependent on how you communicate with them, letting us know the times that we can ring them. And then we do ring them at these times. But they've got to be within our time of work. 
So some of us do work at night. That's fine. But I bet you don't want to work at midnight. You know, you want to knock off at nine or something. So it's not a case if we won't ring them. It's just that we've got to make sure that their call dovetails into our work schedule. Burnout is a real thing for solopreneurs. And that kind of time-sucking diva really will cause burnout. And one of the problems, of course, is the client is not honouring boundaries. But unless you manage the expectations of the boundaries, then they'll have absolutely no idea that they're even causing a problem because you're picking up the phone and doing what they want. So why is there a problem? Divas are very focused. That's what makes them so successful. And they can see an opportunity and they'll take it. And one of my repeat uh, deal only buying customers found it almost incomprehensible that the builder who he had used and absolutely loved working with, that wasn't a problem, suddenly became unavailable for long unscheduled calls. Because he used to ramble on, my client, ramble on about all sorts of things that weren't sort of relevant. Fine for me, but not for the builder. Well, unfortunately, it turned out that on the first refurb, the builder had told him that he was always available. You know, no matter what the worry, he'd be there. Well, of course, he wasn't expecting quite the kind of behaviour that my client was going to then produce because my client suddenly discovered 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday became the moment when he felt he needed to talk to the builder. Well, it had become a habit, you know, and fast forward five years, the builder had actually grown up. He was no longer green and new. He understood that he had to have boundaries too. You know, he'd expanded. He'd got teams working for him. He was running it all. But my word, there was much moaning from the diva. You know, the builder had gone downhill in his idea. It wasn't what he was. He shouldn't treat clients the way he was, etc. And I talked it through with him very reasonably, but I could not get him to understand that 10 o'clock on a Sunday night was just not acceptable. I didn't like to say to him, well, hang on a second, you only ring me during working hours. And actually, what he used to do for me was he'd send me a text and say, are you free? So he worked with two people in a completely different way. It was the boundaries that we'd set. Then, of course, there's the diva who doesn't understand what you're doing at all. Their impression of what we're doing bears no resemblance, actually, to what we actually do. And that can cause a real problem because they don't really understand what your deals are, your offers are, anything else. You know, do you think you've just sold them a deal, nothing else? Are you sure? You know, Do they think they're suddenly going to find you rushing in to rescue and find builders if they're not up to it? Because trust me, I've seen several sources who've been rubbished publicly by divas who can't see where the sourcing company's responsibilities end and their responsibilities for taking the deal through to completion and sale or rent start. They just sort of see it as one enormous, aren't you wonderful to work with? I'm sure you'll be able to help me and for free continuing through the process. But all this can be dealt with by your terms and conditions. And no, I don't think anyone is ever too small or too young a company to have endless pages of T's and C's. And actually, do you know, only you know you're small. Only you know you're just starting out. You don't have to proclaim this from the rooftops. If you've got a good product, that's immaterial. But you do need T's and C's. So if you're new to property, don't feel intimidated and think you don't need them. These are your first line of defence. You need a general term of business. You know, what do you do? Why do you do it? How do you do it? And then really good, strong ones for specialist work, such as deal sourcing. You're being paid quite a big sum of money and you need to make sure that everyone understands why. 
and how it works. Now, these don't have to be war and peace, honestly, but they're there to protect your sanity and your business. So draw them up and then show them to your best, you know, business buddy or your mentor and then find the wrinkles, rewrite them and then go to see your solicitor and let them go over it. It's a cost of business and it will save you so much heartache and hassle. You know, worst case scenario, for instance, if you've got a problem and they're arguing the case about X or Y, you'll be able to send them a copy of the relevant T's and C's they've signed with a lovely, helpful letter. Because, of course, you're always going to be wonderfully helpful and polite the whole way, aren't you? And, of course, you've probably written that letter through gritted teeth, but never mind. Divas, I think, can be spotted by the wary. They just don't turn up out of the blue. There's a pattern to the way they behave. And I think that's why it's necessary to screen all those we work with really carefully because it's it's not, I know this is, is very tempting, it's not just a case of, yippee, that person's got the money that I need so I can then flip to my heart's content. No, it's, are they going to be good for my business? Will I be able to continue with doing what I'm doing? So, start to learn to spot them. And divas often cause total havoc, quietly, I might say, on investor days. We all have them and they're absolutely essential in property, aren't they? If you're holding an open day, how everyone interacts is really important and you should watch that because this is a group activity. All questions should be for the group so that everyone can hear your pearls of wisdom because you're the person at the front of the room, you're the person looking for investment, you're the person selling deals. And if there should be, you know, a question that's somewhat personal, financial, etc., then they need to f- book a call for with you, you know, a phone slot. This is not for an investor day, these, these in-depth moments. So you shouldn't be held back by any of these questions at the end of the day or your volunteers. If they need a conversation, you either get them booked in, as I say, on the phone, or you're going to go, hmm, red flag, a bit demanding. Red flags are great. I love them. Do you know, whoever invented that phrase, I shall thank to my end of my days. It's just so good, isn't it? Red flag. Now, you may be holding regular investor days and you've got a known diva who turns up uninvited because it doesn't matter. Actually, it doesn't matter how you set the whole sort of stuff up about having tickets or anything else. What are you going to do when they turn up on your doorstep? You know, shout at them, throw them away. no. You've got to invite them in and they come because they've got a friend who is probably a very good client of yours who goes, oh, what do you mean you're not going? Oh, come with me and tells them when and where. Now, I saw someone really handle this well in Stoke. Um, I can tell you this stuck in my memory because most of us deal with this kind of scenario really badly. But he had a repeat nightmare, honestly. This diva would turn up, as I say, with a friend And he would be silent for most of the time and talking to everyone in a quite ordinary way. But he would wait for that moment at the end of the day for group questions. And he would then ask a question that made him look uber experienced. But it was still a negative question that would throw every inexperienced investor and potential funder into a panic because it was very well worded and it made everyone else think, oh, hang on a second, this person, actually, he's the one who knows all about it. And the person who we come to see perhaps doesn't. Not a good situation to find yourself in. But rather than creating a scene, my friend in Stoke, he just would always say, oh, how lovely to see you. And the name would come out because, of course, we know who they are. I'm sorry. I thought I'd answered that rather well at the other open days that you've been to. And I'm finding the market doesn't bear that out. And then he would turn and smile to the group and say, X is worried by this. But I found that. And then he would give a really good example as to why the diva was wrong. And 
instantly he would have the whole room back on his side. But it's very wearing having to do that all the time. So one of the things that I've said to him when we were dealing with get a volunteer who would just hone in on that man and then make sure that actually you could get him away from the building before the group session started. And actually, after a while, if you constantly give a bit of an embarrassing moment back, they will stop coming. So proactive is key here. It's your business and you make the rules. We tend to forget that sometimes working in property because we're all surrounded by other people. But everybody's business is different. And that's the fun. And actually, that's why investors like working with us is because we are all different. But it only takes one really strong diva to derail your business for a variety of reasons. So you owe it to yourself to make sure that you've got more than enough investors, more than enough deal buyers wanting to work with you, hanging on to your every word or your deals. You know, divas will wither away in the dark. They need spotlights to shine. So you've got to make sure that they aren't the only person in the room for you, that they're just one of many. They need to go away and bother someone else. And from the moment you open your business, you need to have a naughty step. It's, you know, perfectly okay for us to have spreadsheets with names and numbers on with clear warnings that they're not to be worked with. If they've caused you a problem once, trust me, they'll cause you a problem a second, a third and a fourth time. Now, any one of those diva types could appear wanting to work with you, you know, wanting potentially to suck you drive, enthusiasm, profit, reputation and worst case scenario, you know, wreck your business. At the very least, they could dominate your time and prevent you from finding great, wonderful funders and clients. That's what we want. So divas, the only ones you should tolerate in your business are you. You know, you set the term of your business. You set the parameters of what your business is. You decide who you want to do work with. So find your inner diva and make sure you're the only one in the company. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist.